Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Q Commentator, and this is our last episode in the current series. My name is Nick Heath, and thanks for joining me if this is your first visit or if you're regularly coming back to tune in. Uh, The pod has been listened to over 11,000 times in recent months, Uh, so although that won't be troubling the top of the podcast charts, um, I'm frankly absolutely delighted that it's reaching so many of you that are interested in this stuff. Uh, The stats also tell me you're all listening to almost the full length of each episode, so uh, yes, good retention rate, that's good. Um, But, uh, well, if you haven't skipped this intro bit like many of us do when we listen to podcasts, well, you know, feel free, now's the time, go on, be off with you, etc. But to the rest of you, um, well, I'm proud to be rounding off a third series and in doing so, uh, well, receiving four to five reviews over the last week that have been wonderful to read. Um, Thank you so much to Meltwater Falls, who said great insight and genuinely comforting uh, about the voices of sport becoming much more human and relatable. Uh, To Jeff Whiteman, who said he's listened to all three series during lockdown and in particular has enjoyed the chats with Steve Cram and Ian Dark most recently. Uh, Yeah, love that Ian Dark episode. Uh, To Marco Mira, who left a fantastic review. Um, He's even called me a witty host, so thanks, Mark. Um, But genuinely, cheers. Uh, You can can all read these on the show page on iTunes. Uh, And finally, to Prop Nurse, who says, Nick Heath does a wonderful job interviewing a variety of sports announcers and getting them to open up on their background, training, and what they do to become so good at their craft. For an American who has admired the professionalism of British sports commentators, I have this podcast uh, to be serious fodder for a football and rugby geek. Well, you've nailed it there, Prop Nurse. Uh, That is what this is all about. Um, But hopefully with some cricket, athletics, horse racing, boxing, tennis, swimming and diving in there as well as sports we've covered alongside the football and rugby. Um, I'm fully aware as well there are more sporting angles to cover. Some lovely remarks on social media as well. Please do keep those coming into at Q Commentator or at Nick Heath Sport on Twitter, uh, at Nick Heath Sport on Instagram as well, should you wish to find me there, and those iTunes reviews as well. To this week then, episode six of series three and our first truly overseas guest. Sure, we've had other guests who've told us about their work overseas, but, uh, but this week's guest may not be a name that's hugely familiar to many of you, uh, but... 
four Commonwealth Games, three Olympics, three Rugby World Cups, 10 years of All Blacks tours, uh, Netball World Championships, the New Zealand Netball Premiership, and plenty more besides. Should tell you that this is a man with a vast amount of broadcast and commentating experience. Um, I'm also pleased to say that he's become a friend as well. In this hour-long chat, we'll hear how uh, a job in the warehouse just wasn't quite doing it. Uh, We'll take a gentle walk around the subject of unconscious bias regarding race and, of course, the recent Black Lives Matter movement. And we'll find out whether one pair of rainbow laces really is enough. Uh, Many of you will know this man, uh, but to those who don't, please allow me to introduce one of the best blokes going. Q commentator, New Zealand's own Nigel Yulden. Hey, Heathy, how you doing, my man? I am very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good, like, like a lot of people, just battling our way through these strange old times. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's, uh, it's an absolute honour to have you here as Q Commentator's first overseas guest. And, um, well, we are connecting through the, uh, the joy of the internet. We're here with Zencaster, thanks to uh, them for sourcing it out. Um, we've done it a few times and it's held up OK. This is probably our longest attempt. You're in Hamilton, aren't you? Yep, yeah, just um, sitting here in the in the uh, sun. A very rare sunny day in the Tron recently. It's the heart of winter over our side of the planet, and she's been absolutely throwing down. So <laughs> once I've had a chat with you, it's it's back out into the garden to try and just cull all of these weeds that have just sprouted up over the course of the last five days. Yeah, it's been a wet one by the sounds of it. Is it is it chilly or has it been fairly balmy over there? No, it's, it's cold. It's cold by by New Zealand standards, not by your standards obviously but you know chilly enough i mean it is winter after all so yeah it's not a competition anyway precisely (laughs) so listen born and bred on the west coast of new zealand's north island in fanganui uh an assistant manager at the warehouse um i think even without having to explain uh what the warehouse is to an international audience they're going to be able to pick it up um clearly frustrated in that job um you then, it was, uh, what, an afternoon, you did what many men do while their wife was out. Um, well, no, not that, but you, uh, you came out with a microphone that you'd bought and, uh, and you did a test commentary to yourself on a Crusaders against Highlanders match. Now, I guess the question for me at this stage is, how old are you when this is happening? What's in your picture, your upbringing, uh, perhaps how sport's been fitting into your life um, that made you want to give this a go? Oh, I think we were always a, a very sporty family, and that came from um, uh, my mum's family, who was very, very sporty. She, my, my mother, came from a, a family of eight. Um, uh, my grandfather was a, a railway man in New Zealand, so they moved around uh, a heck of a lot uh, up and down the main trunk line in New Zealand, and so uh, sport was a big, big part of their lives, and it just sort of filtered down. One of one of my Favourite photos I've got of my grandfather is he was part of the first ever rugby team in uh, Otorohonga. And it's a, it's a really, it's a, just a beautiful photo of my father, who, a uh, grandfather, uh, who was the only light-skinned member of the team. The other members of the team were all um, uh, Māori. Wow. And he, he's standing there and it's just the most beautiful photo with the, the management who've got the, the lovely three-piece suits and the trilby hats and the beautiful hand-carved canes. Amazing. Uh, and, and my father, my grandfather's standing in the back. They called him Purcell. 
Uh, Purcell is, uh, I don't know if you've got Purcell over there in, yeah, yeah. in the UK, but yeah, yeah so, you know, it's a, it's a, a whitening agent for yeah. uh, cleaning clothes, so they called him Purcell, and um, <laughs> it's, it's one of my favourite photos of, of all time, but, you know, it was just a very sporty family. My grandfather loved his sport. Um, uh, Nana used to, you know, be the one that would always be on a Saturday afternoon, a big pot of something brewing on the kitchen at the Adams residence in Palmerston North in case, you know, the, the sons brought the rugby team home or that sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, that's really sort of where sport came in. And then just as a, as a family, my, my sisters played sport. I obviously loved sport when I was a young fella. And, um, yeah, so it's always been part of it's always been part of what we have done. My father was a, a football referee. If he'd pushed on, I think his next thing he would have been going for from a, a refereeing point of view would have been an international badge. He decided that he wasn't going to do that. Um, but yeah, sports always has just been in and around us. We've always sort of enjoyed it as a family. Mm, and I guess for a lot of people, certainly on the UK side of things, we've grown up with a lot of these voices that are synonymous mm. with these big sports, these big sporting occasions. And yeah. and was it similar for you in that you know if you if you weren't going to be able to be if you weren't going to be someone taking part in these events or, or being part of the sport on the field that uh, you know it was just important just as important for you to be to be part of the occasion on the microphone yeah pr- precisely i mean growing up we had a thing called sports roundup in new zealand which became the precursor for what would eventually re- evolve into the station that that i worked for 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 20 odd years which was radio sport mm. and so we we would listen to the cricket commentaries during the summer in particular um, obviously, they um, had some of the Olympic stuff and that sort of thing, as well as I was growing up in rugby. And so there were some, you know, um, some real strong voices from my childhood, you know, um, the likes of the late, great Graham Moody, John House and John Macbeth, um, uh, Brian Waddle, uh, Alan McLaughlin, all these amazing commentators. Um, and, and, and also horse racing as well. I used to love listening to, to horse racing and the way they commentated um keith hobb was a, a an iconic new zealand commentator over here but you know there's such a there's such a rich history of of sports commentary on the radio particularly from that that rugby being weird people like bob irvine and, and winston mccarthy and winston mccarthy in particular was a, a an iconic commentator in his in new zealand he had a, a phrase when a kick had been made <laughs> it was like listen it's a goal and it was it was Winston's thing and it was just superb it was just that beautiful and you know it's the, the dramatic pause and it yeah. just hides it is it over you're sitting but is it is it is it yeah yes, it is, you know that sort of thing so um, yeah there's, there's a real rich history of that in in New Zealand and it's something I guess I'd always thought about um but it didn't come till a wee bit later in life that I actually sort of decided right let's 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 bite the bullet let's give this a crack and see what we can do and what did you think of yourself? Um, I wouldn't have... <laughs> Heathy, you know how hard this is, is because commentators are incredibly um, micro-critical of their own performances. Yeah. I, would, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't think it didn't sound at least a little bit good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even, even though there was a bit of frustration at the time with what I was doing with my job and I wasn't getting much joy out of that, I think it's like most things. You, you don't sit there. It's like when you, Billy Connolly explains it really well. It's like when you're getting ready to go out. At some point, you look in the mirror and you go, right, I'm ready. This, this, this looks okay. This, this is good. 
yeah. I'll go out. It's a little bit like that there. I sort of listened to it. I thought, okay, that, it doesn't sound bad. Um, so maybe I could. And it sort of went from there. Yeah. And and when you say you went from there, I mean, a couple of the notes I've got in front of me here say that you wrote a letter uh, to News Talk or Radio Sports and you sort of wanted to see if there was an opening. Yeah. I, I just I thought, okay, well, I wrote a letter to Bill Francis and Bill Francis is the godfather of talk radio in New Zealand. He um, helped guide um, and, and launch so many careers, particularly on uh, News Talk ZB, which is a, um, a, a talk station. Um, the likes of Sir Paul Holmes, Leighton Smith, Larry Williams, Kerry McIver, all these, again, amazing broadcasters that he really you know, drove and um, nurtured. Murray Deeker, who was another uh, sports, broad, uh, sports broadcaster. Um, and so I sent a letter to him. I got a, I got a one-word reply, one-sentence one, one reply, which was basically go, go, go see a guy called Hemi Hill in um, Hamilton, which I did, and it, it, it just sort of snowballed. I, I went in there for an hour on a Friday, which was my day off from the, the retail work that I was doing. I had Friday, Saturdays off, and I went in for an hour, and um, Hemi was lovely, and I thought, okay, he's... They're being polite, and I guess they've probably seen this before. Um, but for me, the the hour became. I kept coming back. I don't think they expected that. Um, the, <laughs> the hour became two hours on a Friday. Then the two hours became four hours. Then the four became eight. Then I started producing this Saturday morning sports show. Then I started going out and do reporting on the local club rugby. And when the the playoffs came around, we started doing commentaries of the of the playoffs and so it just sort of snowballed from there and so I was working five days a week at a retail place I was working uh, two days a week at the radio station and then eventually an opportunity came for me to be part of the radio team albeit not in the sporting department but it was the the foot in the door yeah you must have been craving for those two days to come around every week right yeah absolutely yeah that was that that really kept me going and you know my wife noticed a real difference on those two days compared to the other two days uh, <laughs> the other five days so yeah it's um yeah it's uh it's one of those things that you know if, if you're ever thinking should I do something yeah you should give it a crack well, what what's the worst that could happen they turn around and say no well exactly not, not yeah you and I are testament to that I would say and and also Precisely. it does get to that point when you can say well Okay, there are days that feel a little bit more like work than others, but actually, if you've got the opportunity to go and talk about sport you love or be an incredible yeah. stadium across the world, it doesn't necessarily feel like a job more of a privilege. Obviously, you'd had your dummy match, as you call it. You were working these ever-increasing hours. Did you have a vision that, that you wanted to be calling all-black matches? Was the vision as, as distilled as that at that point? I just wanted to commentate sport. That that's all I really wanted to do, and the first job I got in radio was actually as a promotions coordinator, and so I, I was doing that. But they didn't have a sports journalist in, um, in in Hamilton at the time, and so the every once in a while they'd be like, "Hey, can you do a bit of this, bit of that?" I'd start going along to some of the local press conferences for for the rugby teams, netball teams, cricket teams, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it was sort of a bit of a. a a means to an end, but no, all, all I wanted to do was commentate sport. I, I didn't care what sport it was. It didn't have to be rugby, didn't have to be cricket. Just yeah. you know, give me a sport. And, you know, I spent, I spent weekends commentating at the local kart club and absolutely loved it. 
um, yeah, I just I just wanted them to give me a sport and just let me loose. That's all I really wanted. Yeah, and then 2006, your first big event, uh, Commonwealth Games in Melbourne, an event you've continued to commentate on since. I mean, from the events you'd have been doing there, obviously oh. you'd, you'd had a fair amount of experience doing the local and regional stuff that you'd been doing, but, but how much of a, of a deeper end uh, was that to be thrown into? It was, but it kind of helped because I got a late call-up. Um, Glenn Lama, who was, uh, again, quality broadcaster down these parts of the world, does work on the, the Olympic Channel and those uh, uh, those types of broadcasts. Um, Glenn left the radio station to go to television. And this was about a month before the Com Games in Melbourne. And I got a phone call from Bill Francis saying, hey, we would like you to go and do primarily the basketball, basketball and the netball, which was what Dallo was down to do. And I said, yeah, but of course, as calm as possible. Um, said yes. <laughs> yeah. Said yes, thank you very much. Got off the phone, burst into tears, screamed the house down, called my wife. Uh, amazing. And, and a month later, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in Melbourne, you know, again, with, with people who I have listened to yeah. and, and admired for such a long time. Uh, Graham Moody. God rest his beautiful soul. As I, as I went over there, we got a commentator in Hamilton called Kevin Hart who had really sort of spent a lot of time working with me. I was his sideline at the rugby for a long period of time. And he goes to me, he goes, right, stay next to Moody. Stay next to Brian Ashby. Watch out for, and I won't mention the name, but watch out for a couple of other people. And, and, so, and, and that's what I did. And I went over there and, um, yeah, it was just amazing just to be sitting beside, you know, uh, Graham and Brian and Malcolm and, and Andrew and, and Darcy and all these people I'd listened to and you know watching them work and watch them go about their craft and it was it was great it was great as I said I was we were primarily meant to be doing I was there for the basketball and the uh, netball um but the the it was it was a terrible Commonwealth Games it started off awful for New Zealand like we were we, oh, we they we could they they won so many. We dubbed them the leather medal, okay, which is what you get for finishing fourth. They were oh, they were winning so many leather medals, and um, our our first medal uh, came in a, a rather un, uh, came in shooting, and this guy called Graham Ead um, from Leeston, pretty sure that's the birthplace of Daniel Carter. Um, he was in the final of um, of um, trap shooting, target shooting, clay target shooting. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? Is it a chance for a medal here? And I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and so um, um, I jumped jumped behind the mic and did what I, we believe is the first ever radio call of shooting. <laughs> um, and, and and Graham won gold, and it sort of that sort of kick started after Graham won gold. Then a few more medals started to flow in that weren't the dreaded leather ones. Um, but yeah, that was... how how much notice did you get before you're on the mic talking about shooting? Um, we had, I think it was about ten minutes. And what was your knowledge of shooting? I was I was very fortunate because going back to my grandfather and my grandmother. They were members of the Woodville Gun Club, Woodville just oh, um, outside oh, really? of Palmerston North in the central part of New Zealand, just, just on the outskirts there. And so I'd spent a couple of afternoons as a young fellow down at the gun club. And so I understood the concept of you move from spot to spot to spot around the D, you five, six shooters, and then the, fifth, the sixth one stands in behind, and then you move along, and you take your shots, you call, and that sort of thing. So I had the knowledge of it. Um, 
I knew enough about it. And this guy was had an opportunity to win a medal. So you've got to call it. That was that, that's always been the approach on any Com Games team or Olympic Games team that, that I've been fortunate enough to be involved with, is that if the, if you had the opportunity, you, you commentate them. It's as simple as that. And and that's what we did and 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 Graham Graham won the gold medal, which was a, a nice little um added bonus from um that point of view. But yeah, it's um yeah, you, you got just this, this guy's worked so hard to get to that point. What are we going to do? Not commentate it because oh no, absolutely. Because we, might be bit, we might be a bit embarrassed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, you've got to do what you can. And yeah, looking back on that Commonwealth Games, then do you, in terms of your experience now compared to then, do you look back on it and think, you know, do you have pride in the job that you did, or do you look back at it and think? I got through it, and it was more of a learning curve than it was a demonstration of a good commentator's work. It, it's, I think it's a combination. I think it was a massive learning curve, but um, I, I felt I did pretty well. Yeah, good for um, you. And, and when I had um, uh, more experienced commentators saying, because we did a couple of the commentaries were joint broadcasts with the ABC, Mm. And that had some outstanding commentators there. I was working alongside Peter Walsh, um, Gerald Waitley, and you know the, the Peter Walsh had been around for a very, very long time, and he was slick. So it's like an apprenticeship. You're, you're learning. Yeah. You're, you're listening to him. It's like, oh, okay, he's doing this. He's doing that. And so you're incorporating that. And so you're sort of. You're moulding and learning and developing your own style on the go, but you're getting to work with all these amazing voices and amazing commentators, and and so I, I I felt I I didn't feel out of place. Yeah, and I think that probably would have been the the big fear, but I didn't feel out of place, which was which was quite nice. And you know, I just got to work with a bunch of legends, and it was it was amazing. Yeah, incredible. Um, amazing experience. Um, so moving things on a bit, um, 2007, the Netball World Championships are in Auckland. Uh, netball's been a big part of things for you. What do you, uh, what do you like about the sport? Um, I, I, I like the movement. I think it's, there's so much more going on. I think it's like anything when you, when you watch certain sports on TV, obviously the camera frames up and it follows a certain area when you're there watching it live you're watching yes that the ball might be down in, in 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 this third of the court but there's movement in the in the center third mm. uh, people are uh, players trying to get themselves free to take the ball and then down in the in the other third underneath the goal that the goal shoot and the goalkeeper subtly niggling and Bashing mm. each other with elbows and well, shucking you want to be and ahead of knowing, trying to get away. You want to be ahead of knowing when that scoring opportunity is going to come, don't you? So yeah. if you see it as much as the player does, then hopefully you're that one step ahead as part of your commentary. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's the reason why it's, it's, it's so much nicer being able to call games live at a venue because you get mm. to see the entire field and you can see things unfolding and you, you're able to you know, tell the story of the game so much better as opposed to uh, where you maybe have to sit and watch it off off a screen. You're only getting what what you're being shown by the cameras, but when you're live, you can just see so much more and tell so much of the so much more of the story of the game by by being there and seeing. Oh, look, 
the, the right winger is open, if the left back can slide one across to there, they can attack down. That, little things like that, which just add to the narrative of a, of a contest. Yeah, and, and are there any other sort of key elements of that game in particular in terms of its sort of flow and back and forth and, and that side of it that, that require something else? Because I, I often think games like basketball as well, where you've got a countdown clock and ultimately certain things need to happen. Um, there's got to be a pacing and a tone that actually is built over quarters of matches or you know, these sort of time period periods that, that must come into play. Yeah, it is. You know, you know it's something, you know, the, the thing with when you talk about basketball, I mean, basketball's a really, it, it's an interesting sport to commentate because something phenomenal can just happen out of nothing. And so it's mm. like, I don't know whether, whether you feel this, Heathy, but sometimes you get, you can get into a rhythm as a commentator with certain sports, you can get a nice rhythm, a nice flow. If there's a good game of rugby and there's lots of movement, it's nice to be out in long phases. It's good. Mm. If it's if um, you know you have a team rushing up and dropping the ball and it's you know very stop start, it's it's hard to really get into your work. And, and basketball is mm. a fascinating one because you know, all it takes is you know you watch you know the top players and it's just a they just need a half second, they're through a gap, and next minute they're in the air twirling around, winding their arm up and throwing the ball down and just going, how can the human body do that? And so it's one of those mm. sports where it's kind of, at times you find yourself really going up, down, and then mm-hmm. it might be down and up again and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it, it would be an odd waveform to, to have a look yeah. at. And and I guess the speed also that some of those thing explosive moments can happen, and perhaps you know the way that the goals might be scored or the baskets are scored is you're probably almost giving a back commentary on what you just saw rather than necessarily as you can in a rugby yeah. game being able to see a score yeah. building yeah, up. There, there is elements of of reactionary to it, um, but mm. yeah, and, it, and again, it's one of those things. It's it's like I think it's like everything in life. The the more you do something, the more familiar you get with it, the more comfortable you get with it. Um, I don't think you start to, you know, pre pre um, pre I'm not pre commentate. I don't know if that's the word. Whether you're starting to get the expectation of this is what's going to happen, but I think you just you start yeah. to get the cues more of oh this yeah. could happen, and you are that way. Then you're subconsciously ready for it as a commentator. Should what you suspect may happen actually happen. Yeah, yeah, nicely put. Um, rugby then, of course, has been a big part, a key part of your work. I mean, Commonwealth's four Olympic Games, netball, hosting breakfast shows. I mean, is rugby the biggest part for you or, or just a part of the bigger picture? Oh, rugby rugby morphed into the biggest part of it. Um, 2008, after the Olympic Games in Beijing, I, I took over as the All Blacks commentator, reporter on tour from Andrew Saville when Andrew moved to television. And... Um, and then they created a the, the role was rugby editor, very grandiose title. Um, get that, yeah, oh, get yeah, that business card made beautiful. up. Beautiful, yeah. Someone in middle management got paid a yeah, someone someone in middle management got paid a bucket load of money for coming up with that one. Um, but essentially, <laughs> just comment, commentator reporter following the All Blacks around, and it was and it was awesome. Um, you know, I was lucky enough when you think about what the All Blacks were able to do from. You know, 2010, 
through to 2019, you know, it really was uh, an extraordinary decade. Um, you know, I know it's been dubbed by a couple of people here a decade of, of dominance. And, yeah, I know they never won the World Cup last year. But, yeah, I tell you what, those, those 10 years from 2010 to 2019, um, extraordinary years for that team wearing black. Um, extraordinary team, I think, for, for, for any team wearing black. I mean, you know, the, the Sevens team got caught up a little bit, but we've, we've seen recently the dominance of the, the, the women's Sevens team. Um, the Black Ferns had a wee hiccup in the middle, but gee, they've come back bigger, better, stronger than ever as well. So it's a, it was a pretty impressive decade of rugby to be, to be around and be involved with. Yeah, and I was thinking the responsibility of being a commentator on the All Blacks. I mean, it's kind of like being the Queen's personal dresser or Elton John's wig maker. I mean, there's there's a level of pressure there commentating on rugby, on the All Blacks, to an All Blacks nation where rugby is religion. And I guess I'm sort of wondering if you feel that pressure... And perhaps, I mean, obviously you can't put yourself in the shoes of other commentators in other countries, but it's got to be something you're aware of, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. I mean, there's a, and I, I think you have to make yourself aware of that. And so you need to understand the history. And New Zealand's history when it comes to rugby commentators is, is incredibly rich. I mentioned the likes of Bob Irvine and, and Winston McCarthy. I grew up listening to, you know, as I say, John Howson. John Macbeth, uh, onto Graham Moody, Andrew Saville, um, and then the the people who now I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to was lucky enough to call you know, contemporaries and colleagues, the likes of Daniel McCarty, Brian Ashby, Kevin Hart, um, Paul Allison, um, some uh, uh, amazing rugby commentators. Um, I hope I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Sav. I hope I mentioned Andrew Saville in there as well. He was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah you, you I think you need to be aware of it. Um, and is there ever a moment a, where you're, I don't know, you're thinking that the All Blacks might not be having a great game, but the the perception of the All Blacks always having a great game is is such that no. you know you're you're wondering whether it's your job to critique them. Do you ever feel like you're you're worried if you've got the license to do that? No, no. I remember um, Good. after a game they, after they played a game in Argentina, apparently. Um, uh, there was a phone call to my boss from the CEO of New Zealand Rugby at the time. Right, who felt my commentary was overtly negative. He was he was driving he was driving and listening to the commentary, and he called up. And um, I'm pretty sure when he went back and watched the video, he would realise that my call was incredibly accurate and at times probably even flattering to them. They yeah they were it was an awful game of rugby. It was it was they were playing Argentina in Argentina. Um, oh, there was television match official checks every five or six minutes. It was just a dire game of rugby. They they jumped out early, then it was a scrap for like about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then they finished with a late try. But it was a terrible game of rugby. And, um, you know, it was quite funny when that complaint came through. I was like, cool, I've called it accurately then because that, it, was, it, really was that, it really wasn't that bad. So that's the, that's the good thing is that... Um, I uh, I like to think that you know if you're doing your job properly and you're looking at looking at and calling what you see, then that should flow on to being an accurate representation of what the athletes are doing for the fans listening at home, and that that's the big thing for the job as far as I'm concerned. It's not about 
opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's about yeah. You're not there to be the All Blacks cheerleader. You're there to tell the people exactly what's going on in the game, and uh, that's the job, isn't it? Yep. What do you uh, What do you think of your voice now? Then, now that you've uh, been behind the mic for so many years, how do you think you sound? I I still can't listen back to myself. Really? I still yeah. I'll, I'll listen back, and if I'm like doing an interview and uh, with one of the shows or doing a preview of something, and they might play a bit of my commentary, I'm like, "Who's that dick? What the hell's he on?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's still really. What is it you're hearing that you don't like then? Oh, I just I don't like the sound of my voice. Right. Stupid, isn't it? You know. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes I just think, oh, what's happening with my voice there? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the thing is, is uh, again, it's not about me. I don't have to like the sound of my voice. The key thing mm. is what I'm saying, and I'm accurately reflecting the physical endeavours of the athletes that I'm commentating, and I'm accurately reflecting that to the fans who are listening who maybe can't yeah. see it or are seeing it and preferring to listen to a radio commentary yeah. and and want to feel like they are there. That's that's the job. It's not about me. It's never never going to be about me. And the day it becomes about me will be the day I'll be heading for the door and doing something else because that's not the job of a commentator, in my opinion. Not a play-by-play commentator anyway. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, You mentioned something there, and this wasn't on my list of things to talk about, but... It's a very sensitive subject, obviously, and um, you know we're recording this at the end of July 2020, um, and we've had the Black Lives Matter movement over the last few months. Um, and I just wondered, we were talking about the athletes that, that you're talking about. You've got the Polynesian influence in that part of the world. Um, you've got those that come over from the Pacific Islands, from, from Tonga and Fiji and Samoa. Um, we've heard a lot of athletes who have talked about the fact that they're often referred to if they're the black winger on the team 
or whatever as as here they are incredibly powerful um or devastatingly quick and they're not looked at in the same way or with as much intelligence and there's perhaps some subconscious bias being used and it's certainly given me cause to reflect and wonder if I'm using particular adjectives, com- adjectives completely unconsciously, obviously. Um, and and I think someone like Clive Tilsley's come out and commented, commented that, you know, he never does it. But I don't know if any of us can really say we never do it, even if we know we don't have a racist bone in our body. Um, you know, I know you're the, the same man of the world that I would be, but have have any of those side of things given you cause to think about any unconscious bias that that you may have had in in these types of moments or going forward? No, again, I come back to the point that if you are just commentating what the athletes are doing Mm. and you are just accurately recounting their endeavours on the field, that shouldn't happen. That's fine. Now, uh, I, I... believe that if you are doing that mm. I, I don't think there is anything wrong with you know I want to make sure I word this right Heathy I I think that yeah if if you are reflect if you are reflecting what they do on the field yeah that in a way should negate any Conscious or subconscious racism that you may have, yeah, and so and it, and it is frustrating because I, I think the one of the the biggest examples of this, Ma'a Nonu and Conrad Smith. Mm. Now Ma'a was always oh he's the, he's big he's powerful he can run over you he can run run round you he can do this and this and that sort of thing and Conrad who had a law degree oh he's so smart so cerebral you know the way he plays the game mm. I tell you right now Martin Nonu had one of the best rugby brains going around he was a very very shrewd operator with the way he did but again I think there wasn't Scott Stevenson actually wrote a really good article um, with regards to this the fact that here it was this big, strapping, hulking, powerful Pacific Islander alongside this fair-skinned but quite slight, sinewy sort of a player in midfield and how, you know, it was always, oh, Conrad was the brains and this guy was the power when, you know, Ma'a had as good a rugby intelligence as Conrad did. So I think there are... It's a really good example, yeah. yeah, Yeah, I think there are sometimes... And I, maybe this is me being naive. I genuinely think some of it is just it's it's not conscious. I think it is very subconscious that when people do it. But mm. again, I come back to the fact that if you are a, a commentator who is just commentating the athlete and what they are doing, the color of their skin becomes irrelevant in the commentary sense. The color of their skin is not irrelevant. I just want to clear clarify that there, but it becomes irrelevant in. The commentary sense, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. I hope that I hope that makes sense. No, it does very eloquently put, and I think you're absolutely right. There's also, I think, I think a key thing for a lot of us to bear in mind is is not to go towards those those very simple expressions of players that isn't related to what they're doing on the pitch at that very moment. Yeah. So, so not to constantly refer to Manitou Alagi, who may be an English version of that Manonu character who's a very smart rugby player but can knock doors down and 
there he is, England's power machine, and always go to those sorts of words when ultimately, if there is a connotation that there is an unconscious bias in these words, actually, you don't need to bring these sorts of expressions in. You can talk about other details about what is actually just done that are more relevant to him as an individual. Yeah, but if, but again, as I say, if you are calling his action, a guy like Manu Tuolangi is a powerful player. But again, if you are calling and watching the game, and if he does something where it is obviously, man, that's a good play. They needed to kick that little ball through, get it in behind, mm. trap the fullback in the corner. That's a smart play. Now, if you are just reacting and reading that, again, just based on what the player's done, it will come out in the commentary anyway. Mm. So I, I, think, I, I just come back. I'm a Heathy, you've known me for a while. I'm a very, very simple human being. If you call what you see and you call what you see accurately and reflect the endeavours of the athletes for the fans, I'd like to think that maybe some of the stuff you're alluding to maybe just dissipates over time yeah i would think you're right very very well spoken um do you prep how does the prep go in terms of your voice has your voice ever let you down uh, no it came close to at the 2015 rugby world cup final um I get, oh right I get, not a not a small occasion then. not a small occasion i get i get chest infections and when i get chest infections i lose my voice and i lose it for like three four days and I could feel it starting to go. I'm thinking to myself, "Oh man, this isn't this isn't good." And uh, Elliot Smith, who was uh, on tour with me, I said, "Mate, you you need to just prepare yourself for the fact that if my voice goes, you're calling the World Cup final." <laughs> so, I know, so, so I know it's I know it's an awful way for me to drop it on you. But the simple fact is, if it goes, you're behind the mic. You need to just th- be thinking about that and get ready for it. And he was like, "Okay." Um, but thankfully, it lasted. I got some. I love. I love the way you've downplayed his reaction to that. There, by the way. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's pretty cool. I mean, he would, and he would have done a great job. I mean, Elliot has developed into an outstanding commentator, and he would have done a great job, and he would have captured the moment too. Um, but I, I mean, I got through it. I went to uh, Peter Montgomery, the great yachting commentator, who was. He told me of a similar thing he had when he was calling the America's Cup, and he used to he used to gargle brandy. Any excuse. So he'd, 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 gargle, he'd gargle brandy. It's a great story with, with PJ. It's kind of like, you know, just get, get good quality brandy to gargle it, Nigel, gargle it. I said, well, what do you do? Do you, do you spit it out or do you swallow it? Well, either way, but I find the latter far more enjoyable, Nigel. So, um, you know, he's, you know and, and that got me through. And, and it got me through. So, and the voice, funnily enough, the voice never went. It actually seemed to get, as the game started, it was like, oh, it's a bit croaky, I'm okay. And then it just seemed to get through quite nicely and got to the end of the game and been fine ever since. Yeah. And then you were smashed. I can't remember the final result, but other than that, <laughs> had, a, had a lovely time. Oh, oh, can we just clarify, I was gargling the brandy the night before, not <laughs> the actual commentary, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> I swear that's a seventh swig of cognac he's had in the last ten minutes. Um, what do you think makes a good commentary across any of the sports that you've worked on? And uh, and there there will be a supplementary question, which is what do you think makes a good commentator? But um, yeah, what do you think uh, puts it all together nicely? Um, I, I think I, I just think what makes a good commentary, as I say, I think it's just accurate accurate reflection of the endeavours of the athletes that you are calling. Mm. Um, 
I think people just appreciate that if you and obviously I've worked I've worked the majority of my career in radio I've had a little dabble in TV for about five years ago but most of my one has been in in radio so I guess that's what I I um associate with um the it's it's just calling accurately being honest um and making sure that what you are commentating again to be repetitive accurately reflects what the athletes are doing and making sure that those fans who are not there feel like they're there that that's that's the ultimate compliment i think for for a radio commentator in particular if someone comes up to you and says mate you made me feel like i was there that's 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 the best one that's what that that's it's the second best one. The, the the best one, it's the the nicest one I ever got was a uh, a blind lady who came up to me and said, Thank you for helping me see sport again. Wow. I don't think that I don't think that's I don't think that is there can be no higher compliment, I think, for someone in the radio sphere. And that was humbling as all heck, I can tell you that. Yeah, I can but what, imagine. What, what, what makes a good commentary is, is is just you know making sure that you you're doing your basics from a radio point of view for for rugby example it's making sure you're positioning where the ball is who's got the ball who's made the tackle doing the reposition you know the late Graham Moody was time his mantra time score field position field position and field position those were the five key things for him and he's absolutely bang on and if you do if you do your basics well um Give a little bit of yourself to to the call as well. I think that's what makes a really good commentator. But as I said before, ultimately, it's not about you. Should never be about you. Always about the athletes. Always about the fans. And that's what I think makes a really good commentator is someone who can check their ego at the door when they walk into the commentary box and and make the the athletes and the listeners or the viewers their sole focus for the next two and a half, three hours. Mm. And there's a nature to to people in New Zealand, mainly men, whether it's the Pacific Island, the Maori influence, whether it's the Scots that came out and resettled around Dunedin. I, I don't know what it was, but there's a there's a sort of stoic sense to, to a lot of guys out in New Zealand and, uh, and, and almost a sense of not talking too much and not communicating too much. And I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Obviously, you can't be a man of few words and uh, on the radio when you've got you know words and pictures to to tell. And 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 I'm not saying that even those qualities encompass a whole nation. That would that would be foolish. But but I can imagine that there's a nature to having to find that balance to know how people like to talk and and listen and be in New Zealand versus I don't know. I'm trying to think of another extreme. Maybe the Irish who who love to talk, love to get across every detail. Do do you do you think there is a slight cultural difference of delivery in that way? Oh, I, I'm I'm sure commentaries all over the world. There are definitely different ways that people do it, and people um, are looking for for certain things because, again, as you say, it's a, it's it's cultural. Um, for me, as I said, I, I just always grew up listening to these people just describing, you know, the, the images that they see. And this player's got it up to the 22. Ball has been placed down. Now it goes to the right-hand side. Next player carries on 10 metres in from so-and-so. And so I guess you, you get influenced by who you listen to um, over, over a course of time. Would you say, therefore, that 
that then all of these commentators, all all of these good commentators, should be covering these basics in the same way? Do you think stylistically or or culturally, if you're listening to me or anyone else or Nick Mullins or Mars Harrison or anyone calling a rugby game in the Northern Hemisphere has a different tone or, or focuses on different elements as to what you might hear in a Southern Hemisphere or New Zealand commentary? I, I think what I've heard, and, and it's kind of odd, I, I mean, I guess the times when I do listen... Um, I think that the interesting thing, I think that the pace is, it's so measured. I think you guys got a really good handle on the pace of a game. Mm. I know at times myself, sometimes I can get a bit, I feel it myself again, being hypercritical, which is what the beast that we are. Sometimes I'm worried that I'm a bit frenetic. Okay. Whereas you listen to someone like Robbo, he just always seems to be in control. He's just got the yeah. tempo, the momentum. He's mm. just he's just got the most gorgeous feel for a game. Mm. Um, I reckon if he'd wanted to, he would have been a superb referee because he's just got the feel of a game so down pat. Um, and it's interesting. Yeah, you said that. But then uh, I listened to uh, American football online and you know some of the way they call again because that's real stop starters because of the nature of the game. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't some think I've the... ever heard NFL on the radio. I, I, might, I might have heard it on the BBC actually when they've done uh, yeah. the Super Bowl when I've been listening to it at night going to bed or something. But uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that, that, I mean that's that, that's like waves crashing. That's kind of like boom, and then calm, and then here comes another one, and then calm, and then there's a big play. So yeah, it's, uh, you know there there is. I think there's just there are certain things that. You know, it's done in the United Kingdom and Europe, and they will be different to to what you see in, um, you know, Japan. When you listen to Japanese commentators, when you listen to, I, I love listening to, even though I can't, I'm trying to learn Spanish. I love listening to the Spanish announcers uh, for the wrestling. They are brilliant. <laughs> um, when when you get to go to Argentina, and of course, that's what you got. It's like the Spanish. These guys. You're sitting there, and I, I've, I'm learning a little bit of the language. It's like, wow, these guys are really, really good. And then obviously someone gets pile-driven through their table as per normal on those sort of things. But, yeah, they're, yeah it's, they're really good things. And, and you just, they're really, really good until someone spills blood all over their notes. <laughs> so I really, I, as I say, you, you watch, you, you learn. If you, if you like commentary and you want to get better, when you're watching sport, and I watch a lot of sport, you are listening to the commentators and you are listening and going, could that work in what I do with what they are doing? And so you take bits and bobs from motorsport, which I watch a truckload of sports entertainment, you know, with, with, with the wrestling, with, you know, mixed martial arts and, and boxing. You, you can find all these, you know, little bits and bobs just by watching sport and just being aware of the craft of what that particular commentator is trying to do. Mm. You've, as far as I'm aware, been a radio commentator most of your career. Has TV knocked on the door many times? Have you been been tempted to it at any stage? I, I did. I did a little bit. I think 2015, 2016. Um, and look, it's one thing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'd love to give it another crack. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it at the time, um, and I, I enjoyed it primarily because of the people. And, and that's that's part of the reason I love commentary. It's you know the other part of it is is the people that that you get to meet, like your good self, and 
you know, you head up there and you bump into Miles Harrison and Sonia McLaughlin and you just, you know, you, you just, well, Michael Corcoran and just, you're welcomed back. Like, you know, you, you hadn't been away. You, you only go up there sort of, you know, maybe once every year or every second year you might get to see them. Um, and, and it's the people and, and the people on the, tele, the television crews, they're, they're just such good human beings. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing you really enjoy as well. That's the other side of the commentary is, the camaraderie and the people you meet and the friendships you make. And, you know, there's so many really good people involved in sports broadcasting. And, um, you know, that, that's the that's the thing I really enjoyed about um, doing my, my short stint with TV is the crew was such good human beings. It's the thing I miss now with Radio Sport having closed here in New Zealand. I, I Yes, I do miss the job. But but I miss my mates. I, I miss the people I used to work with, who who were just absolutely awesome human beings. Yeah, and well, my next two questions were: What do you enjoy about it? And the broadcasting landscape is an ever changing one. Um, and you started to cover them both. I mean, tell me about the last few months in terms of the end of Oof. radio sport, and and how, at your point in your career, that's that's kind of made you feel. Um. Well, it, it hurt. Mm. You don't want to lose the you don't want to lose a job that you you really enjoy and that you've been doing for twenty odd years and you you feel for your mates that the people that you work with we had an awesome crew at Radio Sport um, just brilliant brilliant people mm-hmm. um, the the news department which was initially set up by by Ricky Jane Swinell who for my mind is one of the most talented all round broadcasters on the planet she can commentate she can interview. She can host, she can report, she can write, um, she can do radio shows, she can do you know anything that she turns her hand to. She's amazing. And she set up the, the news team and the, the way that that really sort of evolved. Um, such amazing young people. I mean, I'm talking to someone who's in, in his late 40s here, but these amazingly talented young um, journalists coming through and what they've gone on to do in radio and in some cases on TV and you know you, you felt there's some there's a lot of really good people at the moment around to a degree you know there, there's so many talented people in our industry at the moment in New Zealand because um, we we got hit really really hard radio sport um, obviously went off air um, uh, Sky Sport News. Um, they they they've scaled back. Although it's nice to see they've they've come back online. Uh, the sports department at the New Zealand Herald they they had some you know redundancies in there as well. And these are just around. economic forces. These kind of things that are forcing these closures. Yeah, the, the COVID COVID was the thing that that sort of um, did that. So I mean it, it's good with with more sport coming back on in New Zealand. We're very fortunate at the moment. Obviously got Super Rugby Aotearoa, uh, the ANZ Premiership, which is the local netball competition, which will get opened up to allowing. Um, uh, moving back around the country at the moment. They've been sort of just working out of a couple of venues in Auckland or a venue in, in Auckland. So there's a lot more sport going on now. And as that happens, you know, it's phone calls for people saying, hey, can you do a bit of contract work and that sort of a thing. But you're right, the the landscape, the, the, look, the world has been changed, irreversibly changed by COVID. And you can't deny that. And, and the sports industry is just a wee you know, microcosm of that change. Mm. I mean, do you obviously having had twenty years working with uh, with radio sport? 
Do you worry for the future as a guy? I mean, you, you mentioned it there in your late 40s. You've, you've obviously got all this fantastic experience, but, but being out there searching for the next contract for the next two weeks, the next four weeks, whatever, is, uh, is probably a slightly new experience for you. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a new year. It's scary as hell. Mm. It's really scary um, because I've been very fortunate. I came, finished my, my study. I got a, a part-time job, which morphed into a full-time job with the warehouse. I did that for 10 years. I then left the warehouse and I did radio for 20 years. Um, so I've never you know, had to look for work. Um, and as I say, I'm I'm not ready to stop commentating. I don't want to stop commentating. But I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, the simple fact is, is there will come a point where if I can't get the work, I will have to look at something else. Maybe not in the, the sports broadcasting or, or sports journalism sphere because as a husband and a father, that's what you've got to do. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Something something rolls along, and as I say, doing a little bit of contract work here and there, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's real scary. It's it's not a fun feeling, and mm. uh, the last the last three months have been tough, been really really tough, you know. And and in the in the midst of all this as well, um, I had um, uh, my mother succumb to a to an illness, and so she passed away in the middle of it too. So. Mate, as far as I'm concerned, you know, COVID can just walk into the ocean and, and just not stop until the bubbles do, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's um, it's affected so many people's lives, mm. and, um, you know, and it's, and it's probably going to continue to, to do so for, for, I'd say, probably years to come. I don't think this is something that's just going to stop once they figure out a vaccine. Yeah, um, it makes me think of the uh, the meme which uh, showed a space traveller coming back to Earth and going, mm, what what year is this? And the person on Earth says, uh, 2020. And the uh, the spaceman says, ah, the first year of lockdown. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was uh, a worrying thing. Um, my condolences over the passing of your mother. And uh, look, I hope you and the family are doing okay. Um, yep. To take your mind to a more positive place, then it would be remiss of me not to uh, ask about some of your favourite moments, um, maybe sporting moments on the field or uh, or in the commentary box that you're happy to share with us. Oh, gee. Um, I'm going to go cliche and say all of them. Ah. Because I've, I've, I've enjoyed all of them in, in their own way. And I, I don't, I, I know it's the way we do this. Is that you know we we should there should be one thing that really stands out and I've been I've been really lucky and, and I know I've been very fortunate to be uh, in the chair when certain things have have happened and you know, I'll let you into to, a secret I don't have one yeah you know but I all all of them all of them have their own it's the great thing about sport it's mm. every mo it's what's the great thing about life every moment is unique you may think that they are the same but there, there are still those little elements. Mm. And so, I mean, I've been lucky enough to do Olympic Games and you know, Usain Bolt doing his thing and isn't by Ava and, you know, uh, Rudisha's, that, that 800 metres in London is still extraordinary. Um, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to be at all these amazing venues, you know, Twickenham in 2012 when England beat the All Blacks, that's just the most noise I can remember out of a crowd. Ireland beating the All Blacks in Chicago. That was extraordinary to be part of. 
to be able to call gold medals or unlikely medals that we weren't expecting for New Zealand at Com Games and Olympics, they're cool. But I I enjoy as much being at the Tamaranui Domain commentating King King Country versus West Coast when I first started out. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed being a commentator at the Hamilton Kart Club and seeing you know, some of the amazing young talent coming through New Zealand motorsport. Each each piece of commentary is is special and unique and enjoyable. Even the even the bad ones when you come off going, oh gee, I, I don't I don't think that was my best work. You still, it's kind of like, well, it's you know, it, it's it's still pretty cool to to be able to to do this. Yeah, there's also a real joy when you have those terrible games, but you're also able to come away from it feeling like you've had a decent yeah. call of a poor match, and I love that challenge. Yeah, yeah pe- people coming up to you the next day go, was it, it sounded as was it as bad as it sounded? I said, yeah, it was. I said, I, I, trust me, we were there. <laughs> yeah. I I remember apologising. It was there was a game, might have been the All Blacks in England, at Eden Park, and oh, it was terrible. And I remember with, but it was close. It's one of those, you'd notice this as well. The game can be absolutely awful, turgid. Mm. And yet there's like two points in it and there's like this real flurry in the last five minutes and people are walking out going, man, what a game. And then the next day they realize, well, actually there was 78 minutes of that game that was absolutely rubbish and the last two minutes were really good. Um, Mm. and, And that's, so it's, it's, I'm also capable of seeing those games where you can see it's a terrible game, but actually from you know minute forty, minute thirty-five, you spotted a couple of things that you want to keep an eye on to to, yeah. to try and keep the game interesting. And and it, you know if it's a close game, but even though it's terrible, yeah. you could be leaving the ground and someone turns around and says, "Oh, that game was awful." Yeah. But actually, you could be saying, "Oh, I, yeah. I thought it was all right." Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. Well, I remember I remember apologising in that game with with ten minutes to go or something like uh, seventy minutes, ten minutes to play it's 12 all if you've managed to stick around with us this far thank you very much you're gutted <laughs> what i am let's see how let's see how this one finishes out you know just having fun and that sort of thing and i got a couple of mates texting me with the old the, the emojis and that sort of thing but you know you gotta yeah that's the other thing too mate and you know this you gotta have fun with it because gee it's a great way to make a living it's well a and, and a living. it is and you mentioned this a short while ago sport is entertainment and I've mentioned this on, on a couple of pods and uh, and it came up a lot out of all of the stupid parody clips I was doing during lockdown. <laughs> Which were actually, brilliant. People, they were stupid. They well, were brilliant. Bless well, bless you. But, but actually the fact that, and I mentioned this a lot on a previous episode, but a lot of women who've got guys who are watching the sport with a beer in their hand in the lounge and, and the wives are nowhere to be seen out with the girls, but getting messages from women, particularly them going, well, if this is what sport could be like, then I'm in. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was two dogs chasing each other around the park and, and a snail crossing a pavement, but it really made me think that when I go back to doing the sport again, how important it is to, to bring all of that together in making sure it's entertainment and and not to cheapen the product it it makes me think of how often we can get a little bit too serious and and you know into the stats and the consequences when ultimately it's a bag of air being kicked around a field and and we just want to see who wins and we should be enjoying it precisely and that's what i meant when i said you you make sure you give something of yourself um Mm. I'm, i'm i'm not a funny human being but I can be a bit of a goof, and there's nothing wrong with that, adding that to a commentary. 
Um, you know, nothing wrong with the odd dad joke now and again. Um, but yeah, just you know, being yourself. And, and that's the thing. That's what I mean. You've got to give something of yourself in order to mm. get something back. So, you know, I, I think definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so the moment will arise in your very successful next 10, 20 years, however long you want it to be in your contract life. But uh, towards the end of that time, you will be given the chance uh, in my fantasy Q commentator world to sign off exactly how you would like. Now, this could be uh, from the realms of fantasy in terms of who the teams are, whether it's an event, whether it's one game. Oh, wow. um, Nigel Yolden how would you like to go out? What would it look like? What would it be? Oh, truth. Yeah, have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me, I'm having it, son. I'm having yeah, it, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, what a sort of a question, Heathy. That's a beast. Well, there you go. It's the final question on everyone. Wow. I mean... I mean, the Olympics is probably the answer that, that yeah. comes up the most as it sort of taps into the to the sense of occasion, the the family that's created. But uh, but you've had experience with Commonwealths and oh. Olympics and, and and Rugby World Cups. So um, yeah, I'm I'm stalling as best Jeez. I can for you. Yeah, you you got to stall for me. <laughs> this is a great question. I it's again, Nick. It's not about me. It's not about me. So just wherever I am and whatever whatever's in front of me, I'll call it and I'll say goodbye at the end of it. Just go out as I came in. Go out that's as I came nice, in. You know, that's a very nice way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'll allow it's that. A, that is a enough. sod of a question. You rotten little human being. You're going to cop it for that. And you've got splinters in your ass for how much of the fence you've sat oh, on. Oh, dear, oh, dear, right up the jacksie. That's a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, you've been a joy to have on as a guest. And uh, and for listeners who might not be aware, one of the, one of the last times I saw you, which uh, was probably Rome, um, Italy against New Zealand, um, and uh, yeah, before that, you bought me you bought me my rainbow laces that I've been trying to hunt down for years. Well, this is what I was going to mention, yeah. and uh, you said to me that you wanted a pair of those so that you could be representative and support, and that meant an awful lot to me. Still, still wear them every sporting every sporting game that I go to. Good, um, those laces go into whatever shoes that I am wearing. I better get you some every, new ones every, soon. Then. Every single every well, maybe a second pair might be a good option. Um, but yeah, no, every single one. I, I said at the time when you gave them to me, I will be wearing them to every sporting event from now on, and I have been true to that. And you gave those to me how many years ago? Was uh, it 2018, I think. Yeah, November. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, you've talked about how a key in commentary is about being yourself. And in all my experience, and no doubt those who've listened to you over the years, um, you certainly are that. You are the genuine article. You're a caring man. You're the real deal. And I hope that as the rest of the next few weeks and years go ahead, that, uh, well, plenty of people in that part of the world and across the rest of the world continue to employ you and see that because uh, you deserve it. It's been an absolute treat to have you on. Nigel Alden, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a lot, Heathy. Appreciate it, my man.
What an absolute gent. And what a challenging time Nigel's had clearly over the past few months. I take my hat off to him, uh, no doubt facing some uncertainty as well uh, in the future, as I'm sure many of us can relate to. Um, I love Nigel's simplicity in in how he looks at his role uh, in terms of accurately describing what an athlete is doing at that moment. Uh, Sounds easy when he says it like that, doesn't it? Uh, But perhaps that is a nice note to end Series 3 on. Uh, From over-preparing which we've heard about this series, to not relaxing into the moment or being your authentic self behind the microphone. The art of commentary is clearly about feeling calm, confident and ready to tell your audience what you can see and the context and story of it too. I hope to be back before too long, but in the meantime, thank you so, so much for listening and supporting the podcast. Um, It makes me not a bean in revenue. Uh, If you felt inclined to contribute having listened to episodes, then do feel free to donate via my PayPal. Uh, It's the first time I've mentioned it, but uh, yeah, feel free. It is paypal.me slash rugby media. Until next time, though, do take care of yourself and it's goodbye for now. The Q Commentator podcast series has been a rugby media production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.